and welcome to Literarily Wasted. My name is Talia. I'm Christy. I am Lucas. And I am Adam, and this is my little dog friend. Isn't he cute? Yes, he is. This is the final live discussion of the month. We will be talking about Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Lot to get through. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm don't, gonna, no, don't you, poison it already. Start. I'm not, I'm just breathing. You, I think to start, we should all talk about something that we liked from this book. Talia, why don't you go first? <laughs> all right. I genuinely appreciated how short this book was. I guess that counts. The end. Harsh. Your turn! Um, I think that he creates a cool world to explore, and, and we only get to live in it for, what, like, really 24 hours. Thank God. So, um, no, I, I appreciate some of, the, some of the stuff that he does, and, you know, it's set it up for an epic movie and visualization, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to re-watching the movie now. We are going to do... Uh, probably like a live watch party somehow. We gotta figure that out. But um, no, I think there's definitely some cool things. It is weird, and uh, having watched the movie in the past and then going back and reading the book, it's really weird. Um, I don't think the <laughs> movie's as weird as the book is. But no, I I, I appreciate. I, I think it ha definitely has a place um, as kind of like a classic science fiction, and it raises a lot of interesting but weird questions well uh, I really enjoyed this book uh, I think I think what I liked the most and I mentioned this in the last live discussion is that from the first sentence of this book you're totally thrown in to a very different world and I really appreciated that and and I enjoyed the whole thing Adam me <clears throat> so before I start uh, I want to say happy birthday to Stephanie Borg. Oh, yeah. Today is Stephanie's birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Uh, Stephanie's in the comments, so if you see her, <laughs> say happy birthday, Stephanie. Um, we also had some other birthdays this Yeah, month. if you had a February birthday, give yourself a hand. Yeah, happy shout birthday. out. I think Jay. Jay had Jay a February had a birthday. birthday. Yeah. Uh, Leanne had a February birthday. So we have all these birthdays. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, okay, so what I think about the book um, I really liked it. I'm in that like camp that that just really enjoyed this book. What, what? you liked about it? Huh? Yeah. What I liked about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I liked everything, but um, <laughs> the thing I really liked about this book was that it it it's like it's like my kind of sci-fi. It's got like all the good like sci-fi goodness that I like. And we mentioned this a little bit on the last live stream, but um, this it, you know the 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 world it builds is amazing, and the questions it asks is uh it, it just captivated me oh the, the whole philosophy behind you know what this book is about and the symbolism uh this classic sci-fi just it just got me so uh looking forward to talking about it back to you so gene on youtube said that i am harsh <laughs> and that it's a classic <laughs> okay i am do not have a problem with anyone else loving this book I can't even say it. It's Look. just, it was a book. It's just a book, a book, a book. It was just not for me. And just because it's a classic doesn't mean you have to love it. I yeah. think we also established that Interview with a Vampire is technically a classic and also, so that's fine. And you know what? There have been many times where my fellow team members have not enjoyed a book. And this is just me. I'm going to just poo-poo on this one a little bit. For all the other people out there, I know for a fact I'm not the only one who felt this way. So well, here, well, let's find solidarity. Out. Let's it's find fine. out what other people say um, in the comment section. Because everybody, i got to sift through everybody wishing Stephanie a happy birthday. Um, <laughs> but uh, Trish said, I did not like the story as much, but it did provoke the most emotions. Which is interesting. And Trish, I think we should talk about that um, in this discussion. Um, she agrees with you that the book is short. Uh, Michelle had a really hard time starting the book, and Vicky says, sounds like Talia's with me and not loving this book. Adrian's asking if everybody's holding the handles of the empathy box, which mm -hmm. we all are. We're sharing this experience together. Isn't that nice? Climbing the hill. Um, Virginia really myself. enjoyed it. Um, let's see. Oh, something popped up. Uh, 
Jeff said, I really enjoy books that leave room for interpretation and open doors for discussion. This is what sci-fi does best. Matt says, I'm with Adam. The philosophy and ideas that made me consider were the biggest reason I liked it. Brandy's really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Caitlin Boggs says, I appreciated the world but was glad to leave. And then over on YouTube, uh, Gene says it was a quick read. Mike says, didn't find the book all that weird until the very end. Then I got real confused, and yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> definitely. that. We'll have, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, well, but, uh, yeah, keep chiming in with, with the things that you liked about the book. And back on Facebook, Dan Lafferty said, this was among my favorites of the books we've read so far. Nice. So. All right, back to you. Well, um... Did you go? Yeah. Yeah, okay, sorry. Zone out. Yeah, first sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just how it like throws you in. But I mean, I like more than just that. I was just, I was very, very impressed once I got used to it. I think to what some of the people are saying in the comments and Adam, what you're saying is it's, it's definitely like a thinkers. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that you don't like to think. I'm just saying like <laughs> in the world of like a sci-fi, it's, it's more of a Star Trek and less of a Star Wars. Yes. You know, exactly. it's, it's, it's giving you that kind of. You step back from it and say, "Well, I wonder what what is, or what are the ramifications of this?" Where, you know, like wool was more like lightsabers and action. So, um, I'm not saying you don't like the thing. But see, I do saying. like books that make me think. But the reason this one didn't make me think is because I didn't care about the people in it and I didn't care what was happening. If I had cared, if I had been invested, then I might have put more thought into it. But or or it was, was it the things me. that it made you think of made you uncomfortable? No, I thought it was stupid. Okay. Well, and like we talked last time, like, <laughs> he doesn't flesh out the characters a lot so that you can really focus on the themes that he's dealing with. <clears throat> well, it, we talked last time about, and, and it, this is for everybody that sort of agreed last time, and I want to see where that went for you at the, now having read the book, but we, we were talking a little bit about last time about how like, the characters weren't very well developed, and they're just kind of a vehicle for to, to get you through the, through the story. But by the end of this, I was, I was invested. Yeah. Um, and there were, there were a lot of characters that actually made me feel a lot of things through their gaze. And it was interesting getting b both of their, you know, Rick's and, and Isidore's perspective. Because reading the Isidore chapter, especially the bit with the spider and stuff, like, I was emotionally uh, affected by that. Oh, and um, for sure. Well, and with you and spiders, like... You really, you told me that you felt empathy for the spider, which is shocking because you hate spiders. I do. I hate spiders and they terrify me. And there was a spider, uh, you know, I always have to get Christy to kill the spiders. But um, there was a spider and, and I actually said, don't kill it because I feel Aww. for spiders now. Just don't let it in the house. See, I agree. <laughs> so I felt a lot of empathy for the spider there as well. And so there were those little moments. But overall, I'm noticing. So Vicky said, beyond the story, I don't think the writing style suited me. Mm. Um, so honestly, that was a big problem for me too. Because there were moments where I did finally like fall into the story a little bit. Or I was trying to connect with a character. But there was something that felt so disjointed about the way the story was being told. And I told Christy, it's almost like this was actually once a much, much larger, more full book. And then they said, hey, can you just write a synopsis for it? Write whatever you remember and let's make that into a smaller book. Like, let's do like a Cliff Notes <laughs> version. And that's what it felt like I got. Uh, so other other commenters adrian says it almost had the feel of a short story where there's a lot left out but you get, get the feeling the author has a background in his head uh dan says i'm jealous of his is doors ability to pick up the spider i hate them susan kills ours you know you know what it's like um <clears throat> nicole says look i hate spiders and that bit made me want to sob it hurt me so much um jeff makes a good point we should probably talk a little bit about what happened after our stopping point. Yes. yeah give us a recap so where we picked back up for the second half of this book is that I guess they have left the fake police station and it's um, Deckard and Phil Resch are going to arrest Luba Luft. So they mm -hmm. go to find her. They find her in the museum. They, I mean, I don't know how detailed y'all want to be. That's where we started for the second half. Do you want to just talk us through a little bit about what happened? Yeah, well, with Luba Luft, I guess she... She did. 
Yeah, she admits that she's an android. She provokes Phil Resh and he kills her. Well, he starts to kill her and like uh, Deckard has to finish it for him. Uh, and then what, they go, man, I don't even remember. I just looked over the stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> he drops off Phil Resh and then he talks to um, his wife. Oh, that's it's when he goes and gets the sheep. The, oh, the, the goat. Yeah, goat. The yeah, goat. he gets his. He gets that his part 3, made me so mad. He gets his three thousand credits three, or dollars. Yeah, and, and three thousand down payment. He blew all his money on that goat. Oh, he blew a lot more money than he had because it was like a twenty-four month contract, and it was five yeah. or six hundred dollars oh. a month for twenty-four months after the three thousand yeah, dollar down payment. He was that he like, did. And then the sex bot pushed it off the roof. That is way ahead of where we are, but <sighs> yes, so mad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please continue. <laughs> so angry. She's not a sex. Bot. It was a terrible investment. It was a terrible investment. So before he parts with Phil Resh, he does administer the Voight Kampf test, and Phil Resh is not an android based on that. He also figures out that he has empathy for female androids, um, and then he goes and gets the goat. Sorry, not a sheep. Um, and then black Nubian. Yes, black Nubian. Splat. His boss tells him he has to go finish the job tonight, which he does not want to do at all. He needs some sleep. Yeah, I think he's, he's also sleep. reeling from learning that he has empathy for female robots. So much has happened, and if you don't have time to cope or sleep, then your brain just goes... Yeah. But, I mean, they, there is a logical reason for it, too. Like, it, the more time they have, the harder they're going to be to, to find, theoretically, and prepare. Um, then he goes after... Well, he first he hooks up with Rachel Rosen after trying to get her to help him with the, the Andes. He ends up not accepting her help. Well. After, after he, he sleeps with her. After he sleeps with her. But because he finds out that she's been doing this to bounty hunters, like seducing them so that they have a harder time or that they can't. So sorry. Please continue. Talia. What? It was funny. Then he goes and meets Isidore. Well, I guess we skipped over all the Isidore stuff. So they're prepping. So the uh, so Roy and yeah, they're setting up all the booby traps. That guy's not very nice. They talk about murdering him right in front of him and call him a chicken head. The other girl's also really mean and super sadistic and pulled bubble legs off. We talked about that. Hate her. Um, sorry. This is a good synopsis. She's mean. <laughs> I mean, I get it. She's not like me, and it's a total lack of empathy, and it's like a science science experiment in her head. But like, it filled me with rage. Yeah. So Deckard goes and finishes the job, and then things get real trippy. But, and then the end makes no sense, and then there's a frog, and it's not a frog. The end. Right. Trippy. But let's go back. Okay. Let's go back to Luba take us back to the very beginning. The very beginning of the first part of the second half. Right. Right. <laughs> um. When he goes and they arrest Luba Luft, he buys her that book of paintings. Mm -hmm. And I found that whole thing really fascinating. Like she wanted it, he spent his own money to get it. And it was a lot of money by th those standards. And for, she says she didn't understand humans and that an android would never think to do something like that. And Phil Resch didn't understand it either. Although he was... He also lacked empathy though because he got screwed by the robot. Yeah. Um, and then he, Phil Rush kills her or like shoots her and, and Deckard has to finish. And then Phil, or then Deckard burns or destroys the art book. And all of that happened really, really fast. But like, my question is, would y'all have bought her the art book if you knew that you were about to murder her like within minutes? If I had bought the art book, and I would yeah. have kept it. And then if you bought the art book, book I mean it was like thirty dollars, right? But it's I mean like twenty five according to yeah. the comic. But it, like, but he spent thousands of dollars on a goat. So I feel like let's not judge this man's budgetary skills. But why would you destroy that too? That was kind of weird. Yeah, because like, he wasn't supposed to buy her a book. Well, even Phil Rush was, was like, you could have returned it. Just, you could have kept it. Yeah. It was a perfectly good book, and she didn't even. Well, it didn't describe her looking at it in the book. I don't know. What, would y'all have bought her that book? Do you think it was just a vehicle to kind of paint that picture more of the empathy? Maybe, but thing? like it made me start wondering, like, am I an android? Because maybe you are. I 
Or was so, it? Can anyone administer the? It's not fiscally comp? a good decision, but <laughs> maybe did he do it also just to like keep her quiet and get her to shut up and go so that they could get her out of there because part of their job was to be discreet. But they, she had also kind of shut down. They said like she started looking pale, she looked lifeless, she was just going with the flow. She wasn't helping them, but she wasn't hindering them. She just stopped caring so much and she perked up when she thought about getting like the art but I, I, I don't think it was to subdue her. It's interesting that you bring that up too because the androids did that was like their coping mechanism for like we're about to die yeah. and because uh, Rachel did it too when he mm -hmm. pulled over and was like I'm gonna kill you now she was like okay make it quick please and then <laughs> and then he was like I'm not gonna do it she's like oh good I've been manipulating you this whole time and I win. Mm -hmm. Um, and then is, he still let her go. Yeah, he still let her go. Because he's stupid. <clears throat> but, uh, well, he did admit that that was his, the worst mistake he made. Yeah, because then she went goat pushing. Yes, she did. Which is really... A goat pushing. That part is... That part's really interesting, too, that she cared enough to go punish him by killing his goat. Yeah, so she was mad. Yeah, she was really angry. So they can feel anger, Spiteful. but not empathy. Yeah, well, she, she said that he loved her, his wife more than her, and he loved no his goat more than her, and he had just gotten the goat. But, I don't know, I thought that was really interesting. So well, there's an interesting conversation back. going on in the comments section. Yeah. Um, let me just catch y'all up. Uh, Matt Scalisi and Adrian are talking, um, uh, and I don't remember where it started, but, um, but we're talking about the philosophy behind the book. Uh, Virginia says it was an easier read. Matt started talking about The Stranger, which is this existentialist mm -hmm. classic. Um, <clears throat> but he's making a comparison, a, a sense of ennui, desolation. Um, and then uh, Matt continues, uh, you know, as a person who struggled with depression, I actually connect with stories that touch on that idea. Depression is very dehumanizing. And this book is all about how alienation can make it hard to know what's real or human. And then uh, further that, uh, Adrian says, ooh, interesting about the depression, it brought some aspects of it out in her, and uh, I wonder if that affects how people interpret things differently in this book. Um, it's, it's pretty heavy. There's a lot of heaviness going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting uh, conversation because it, got, it brought some of that out in me as well. Just, you know, the general sense of ennui and malaise that pervades, is prevalent throughout this book. Um, I just thought it was an interesting thing going on in in the comments. Um, a lot of lot of a lot of good discussion happening. Keep that up. That's good stuff. Um, but back to you. Um, well, talking about the book, Jeff Moore says, "Is buying the book a way to reduce his guilt over what was about to happen?" And yeah, probably. I didn't even think of that. And especially since he's just figuring out that he has empathy towards the female androids. I bet all of that plays into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, why did Rick burn the book? What do y'all think? I assume that was just to like get rid of the evidence for real. So like he was empathizing with androids. Oh, that makes sense too. Yeah, y'all are answering all my questions. <laughs> I genuinely don't know because I don't understand the thought process behind like a lot of his decisions. Well, and to Chrissy's point, that part happened really quickly, mm -hmm. so it was kind of like, whoa, and yeah, I mean, it it's a the very pacing. short glimpse of this world that we get. The um, pacing was a struggle for me. That's fair. Yeah. The pacing was very interesting and really fast. Um, well, let's talk about Phil Resch. Do y'all think Phil Resch was an android? Mm, I, I don't. I don't. If, if uh, Rachel, if he, he was part of Rachel's plan, and she slept with him to try to, I mean, her whole oh, plan is, is yeah. like, Rachel as a character is, is very fascinating to me, um, and sort of what she does and how she manipulates people, um, and and if he was part of that, that manipulation, although. She said that he was the only one that didn't get attached, right? Isn't, didn't, didn't she mention that? Like, mm -hmm. when she's like, oh, yeah, I slept with your friend. Um, she was like, yeah, but he didn't, he's, he's not like you. He kept going. Like, yeah. all the other bounty hunters had to quit or something, right? Yeah. But he um, was full of anger because of it. Yeah, he was very angry. 
Um, which is which is interesting. It's uh, like a vengeance thing. Now he wants to take all the androids down. Yeah, that had the opposite effect. But he still let her go. Yeah. Um, well, as far as Tularesh goes, Luba Luft and Inspector Garland both said that he was an android. And but then he passed the white comp test. So I don't know. So, but, it, but but Inspector Garland was an android, and yeah. Luba yes. Luft was an android, right? Yes. Interesting. And in, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? I just said it like four times. Oh, Phil Resch. He was part of the the police station that was that, that's full where, of androids. That's where I'm confused because it was like we never even heard of you, and we've never even like who are you kind of. And how come the thing? whole so department th is allowed to exist if it's all full of Andes? Yeah. Well, also Phil Resch said he'd been working there for like six years or something, and. So he has those recessed memories that are, aren't real. Like, there's a lot of evidence that he is an android, yeah, I, even though he passed that test. None of this makes sense. I, I don't know. I, when I was reading it, I was leaning more towards he was an android. Yeah, me too. And Because and, even Deckard's like, well, you know, a lot of times in this, this case, once the android figures out it's an android, they'll just take care of themselves yeah. and put them out of commission kind of thing. So I, I took it that he was. And I think it's really interesting how um, Deckard, I guess the rules of bounty hunting, if they come across a android that's not on their list, they don't have to do anything about it. Because he even said that. He's like, you're not on my list. And he went to the, the police station. They only killed one person from the police station. You know there were other people there that he's been told are androids. And it's just, he moved on without even a second thought. And Jennifer says... Uh, Maybe it's he was hinting that the test doesn't always work. Yeah. <gasps> and Scott said, remember that Buster Friendly is also an android, so the deep fake runs deep. Mm-hmm. But how do people Also, not is it know? all a mystery or are these just plot holes? Did it we get confirmed that Buster Friendly was an android? I believe so. I think the android said the he android was. The android said that he was. Okay. Like Roy and all them. Yeah, they said he's one of us and it makes sense if he's able to go on like twenty four hours a day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like more than that. It was like 30-something hours a day. But also, um, I was looking over the text from when he was doing his big announcement, and he was like the alleged fusion with Mercer. And he like he's obviously never done the empathy box, and mm -hmm. I thought that was evidence, too. So I thought it was kind of weird. So you find out in the Rachel scene, I think it's the Rachel scene, that they basically have a shelf life of four years. Mm -hmm. And so she's two years into this four-year shelf life because their cells don't regenerate like humans. And so I was thinking of these other androids coming back from Mars. A, we know that you can get from Seattle to, you know, San Francisco in like an hour, but like still, you're going to have to travel from Mars to Earth. This was a plot hole for me. That's going to take time. And... Why why do we care that they're androids to a degree if they're just going to have a shelf life and just die off? It's like, why would you take the time to go find these creatures? Just let them die. Yeah, I mean, it, you, no, that's a at really that good point, point, it's kind of like, well, who well, cares if they're just going to go hold up in some junky old apartments or the join the community like they weren't doing anything yeah bad. they just wanted to pretend and blend in also yeah. i think they've taken over mars i think all the humans are dead i think they mm. might have taken over earth too maybe actually. we'll find out more when we watch the movies i don't know uh, that is the one thing i'm really excited about is like this was just like a short little glimpse into the world and i, I agree with talia like you don't have time to really bond with any of the characters nor did I feel like a really deep connection to any one of them? But I was like, this is cool premise. Mm -hmm. And so taking that, and like, and I can already think of scenes in the movie that I will understand better having read this. And I know that like a lot of people really liked 2049, and I want to see just kind of where the concept spins, even though I know it's not Philip K. Dick. Um, just like, I want to, I want to live in that world a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it says about me. But I really identify with Isidore. Oh, I don't know. He was a great character. He was the only one that was kind. So how about that? Because I tried to feel sympathetic towards what's his face, Deckard. And then when all that stuff with Rachel went down, 
I stopped caring because I didn't like him anymore. Well, Mercer even told Isidore, like, you're a better person than me. Like, you have better morals. Like, uh, and he's the only one. Like, he knew. They were like, hey, let's kill the chicken head. And he helped them anyways. He was um, the only one who was nice. Going back to, like, why they didn't just let the Andes be. Um, let's see. Jeff Moore said, these mm-hmm. androids killed many humans when they left oh, Mars. Right, Brandy Deet says, but they killed people. Yeah, so they were oh, yeah. assigned to a human, and they killed that human and oh, probably yeah. others to get to Earth. So that definitely puts it in a different context. Or all of them. They killed all of them. It's Mars possible. Is just robot parts. Totally possible. But if they possible. were just left to their own accord, but I guess they're, I don't know. Yeah, well, and with out empathy they can definitely kill again and maybe not for any good reason so what's the moral of this story don't make robots don't make robots that can think don't make robots with faces or other parts just don't make robots it's not worth it this isn't the first i mean there's so many stories in science fiction that deal with the concept of artificial life and are they you know can what happens if they get to a point where they're basically sentient life forms um you know like <clears throat> a lot of the asimov stuff and uh, battlestar galactica the the new battlestar not the old 70s one um with the cylons who are basically like people you mm-hmm. can't even tell who's who's a, a person and who's a cylon um and and because i love those other things i really enjoyed this book's take on it because of, you know it's an earlier it's an earlier take it's a classic so yeah. Jennifer uh, Spiegelman had a good comment about uh, continuation of the story on Facebook here with um, some sequels that were written to intend to tie it all together. So in 1995, Blade Runner 2, The Edge of Human. In uh, 96, The Replicant Knight. In 2000, I and Talon. And they were official and authorized sequels written by Dick's friend K.W. Jeter. So, if you want to continue the story, go look those up. That's I'll pin that Wikipedia. comment for the time being so y'all can see what that's, what that's Caitlin like. Caitlin Smith says, can someone explain the empathy box to me? I thought it put them in a deep meditation, but how was Rick bleeding from a rock being tossed at him? I feel like I missed something about how it works. If you missed it, then so did <laughs> I, because I don't understand what it is either, or... Well, I had a hard time visualizing it. and understanding the empathy box. I know, it has handles. I actually did not have a hard time visualizing it. Why? Because one. I read the graphic novel. Ah, so, uh, <laughs> well, you know, for those, what? But it doesn't explain, like, how people can get actually injured from... Oh, no, I had no idea. I don't know how that works. Psychosomatic. Um, it's it's all psychosomatic, says mm-hmm. Scott, um, which means it's all in your head. Um, which means uh, so everyone's crazy. Buster Friendly, when he's debunking Mercerism, so, says, If we're to believe it's many practitioners, the experience fuses men and women throughout the soul system, system into a single entity but an entity which is manageable by the so-called telepathic voice of Mercer. Probably doesn't help, but I thought that description was interesting. That, that's a lot of words. <laughs> but it does, you do get a sense of, of merging with a bunch of people and you all share your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings. Um, and you're also kind of merging with Mercer. I thought Mercer's role in this got so big and kind of out of hand by the end of this book. I don't understand. How did there was, he appeared? What? Well, okay. He did say, well, first of all, Deckard had a conversation with him while he was at his house using the empathy box. And then when he went to Isidore's apartment complex, he ran into Mercer just on the stairs. And Mercer said, it's because he's there because of Isidore. Isidore, like, infused the building with Mercerism. You must go to so the it's data very, this system. Is, this is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, let's, do, we, do, do we want to just talk, like, about the end? Because yeah, uh, there are people talking, you know, uh, Caitlin Boggs says, the end got cray. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I was, I, and Mike said it earlier in YouTube, um, I, was with, I was with it, and then the end happened. And I was, in both from Isidore's perspective and from Deckard's perspective, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, because of, be, because of what they were experiencing, but also like the implications, and like these are some really bold 
implications from Philip K. Dick. Um, Jeff says, I felt the end was a big indictment of religion and how truth does not matter in the face of facts. Um, oh, uh, wait, he amended it. Um, oh, he, he in the face it. of faith. In the face of faith. Uh, so, yeah, I was wondering. I was about um, to say, truth and facts are the same thing. <laughs> so truth does not matter in the face of faith. But so, so we had sort of these two competing sort of religions in this book. Mm -hmm. We had Buster Friendly and we had Mercerism. Mercerism was this, was this bonding with the empathy box. Buster Friendly was just a talk show host. Um, but they were, they were these, like, you know, sort of religious beliefs around these two characters. And Mercerism, I, I have honestly, like, I have no idea. So if, if you in the comments have some, um, have some thoughts, please chime in because um, Mercerism became real in the book and you know I read the graphic novel uh, so Isidore manifested Mercer and then Deckard manifested Mercer when he went on his like spirit quest to go climb the rock yeah um, did, did he actually do that, that or did he grab the handles I don't know but it seemed like he actually did because then he's like calling people from his car no that, that didn't have anything to do with the empathy box I'm assuming that's because of what Isidore did in his building like, I think Deckard running into Mercer there had some sort of weird fusion effect. So let's go back to the comments. I don't understand. Um, it was weird. Matt Scalisi, uh, we're gonna I'm going to lean on you a lot through this conversation. <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think of that, that Dick might have been going for with Mercerism is an attempt to explain religious furor and the popularity in a world where people are alienated by technology. When so much of daily life loses its meaning, religious experiences can replace that. Dick obviously believes religion ultimately doesn't change anything except perception. Um, uh, Adrian says, is it a mirroring of like bleeding statues and the like, the appearance of Mercer as though Jesus appears to people? Um, well, and it's not just how Mercer appears to people. It's also the miracle that he did. He like brought the spider back to life and then he healed it like several he, minutes later. But there's a hallucination. Just like the rocks are a hallucination. I think he really did heal the spider. I think he brought it back to life and he healed it. Um, and then he had the electric, oh, yeah, he had the electric toad out there for Deckard. But then there was a question of, was the spider real or was it electric too? And was Mercer real? Because none of it makes sense. Yeah, I and think honestly, it, it made me think of, this is terrible. It just made me think of Jesus in South Park. <laughs> like how they just like, you know, every now and then he just shows up. He's like, hey. What's up, you guys? I got my and talk show. And then he leaves. I mean, we already summed it up. <laughs> uh, the end was cray. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it really was. But it, but it it asked a lot of questions. And and I don't have answers to them, but I was very, like, I, I, it didn't, like, throw me off. I wasn't, like, so thrown off that I was like, I'm done with this. I didn't, it didn't check me out. I was just, it just add, asked more questions, kind of like lost. And then mm. maybe you get to the end and you're like, oh, you didn't answer any of my questions. <laughs> hmm. But the, what the ride was fun. Um, one thing about Mercerism, Buster Friendly and the Friendly Friends were so against Mercerism because they couldn't participate. But Mercerism, by the end of the book, you knew that Mercer like respected electric lives too, like with the toad. And I, there was even a line that says, the electric things have their lives too, paltry as they are. Hmm. I, I do think that Mercer does probably respect android lives. And he even said Deckard, what he's doing is wrong, but then he encouraged him to do it with killing the last three androids. I don't know. I think yeah. I would be inclined to join a religion that was simply just called Buster Friendly and the Friendly Friends. I mean, it is that a great nice. name. <laughs> right. It sounds like we're all just supposed to be nice to each other, and that sounds great. Yeah, but Buster Friendly, that, he had like, he teased this huge announcement throughout the video and then, like, debunked Mercerism. I loved that part. And what I really loved was the parallel of Buster Friendly proving that empathy isn't everything and Mercerism is so flawed, and but... It's paralleled with with uh, Pris torturing the spider yeah. in front of Isidore, and like that 
mirroring each other was just so great for me. Like they don't have empathy and it also shows exactly why empathy matters. Like they're torturing the spider and they're torturing Isidore. Hey, hey, Jean, I fixed it. <laughs> oh, the panda. <laughs> I fixed the panda. You're welcome. Joey called dibs on electric spiders as a band name. That's a good Dang it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's fine, I can't play any instruments. We'll listen. <laughs> Send us the link. Oh, something else I really liked. At the end, Deckard is done. He's like totally wiped out. And it says... I've been defeated in, a, in an obscure way. And this was after he had already finished killing all six of the Nexus Sixes. Like, do y'all think that he was defeated even after finishing that? Well, he murdered a lot. He slept with a robot. His goat got pushed off a building. He found a frog, got super excited. The frog was a robot. I mean, that's a pretty crappy day. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a lot in 24 hours. And, yeah. and that's what I was kind of, I was sitting here wondering where do they go from here? You know, I mean, like, he didn't, he was like, hey, honey, got a goat. It's not like, oh, and by the way, I slept with an android. You know, it's like, oh, he, he didn't tell her. No, he doesn't, but it's just like, he just <clears throat> blows by that, you know, and so, like, there's there's got to be so much baggage between those two and dialing oh, moves there is. and stuff. So, we spent all of our income. Yeah, no, and, and, future and literally you, you could change your life and I found it so weird that the people are so eager to have an animal in this world that I guess you could compare it to a lot of stuff in our own world today, but it's like they're so eager that they will put themselves in like financial jeopardy to have that thing and he's got it. Well, that's part you know, of it. So... It was part of mercerism, wasn't it? Like, wasn't that like a thing that you gotta own an animal? So here, but here's an here's here's an interesting thing. Um, going back to what Talia was saying, um, and th it reminds me of uh, that Star Trek episode that I mentioned last last time, Measure of a Man, because the guy who puts Data on trial for not being uh, a life form and being property of Starfleet always calls Data it. And uh, when Talia was speaking just now, she said, he murdered lots of people. So, uh, you mean the androids? That's because Talia has empathy. I, yes, I do, because I am not an Andy. And also, I don't really care enough about anything in this book. Because Jeff said, is it murder? That's the question. Mm. Well, oh. So is it adultery? Yes, it is. I'm Jean just... said, okay, so we're starting this is on YouTube. Not... Jean said, ah, <laughs> Jean I knew said, we were going to get to this point in the conversation with an at some cheating. point. Yes, it is. And here is why. I did not want to have this conversation <laughs> at all. Well, it's he... super not fun. Because here's the difference. I can't even say it. Good Lord. He felt that it was cheating. So I think. It's also against the rules. There's like a big law that says no, no, don't have, don't have sex with the robots. So one, he broke the rule. Two, he's married. So cheating, if you want to think of it as simply a mental and emotional factor, not a physical act. Think of what he did. Since he has empathy towards these female androids, he sees them as more than just a tool. It's more, it's not a fleshlight, it's a person. And so, <laughs> so for him, this was cheating. He saw Rachel as a real person, enough to where when she, when he realized he was being manipulated, it did break him. That is a real emotional and mental thing that happened. Also, it all sucks and I hate it. I just liked how she was like, just don't think about it too much or else you won't be able to finish or something like that. It was Because that's... <laughs> she's like, just, she's like, just, just don't think too hard about Yuck. what you're doing. Uh, Jeff says, let's be clear about one thing. Deckard and his wife were living in a loveless marriage anyway. Oh, so that makes it okay. <laughs> I don't think y'all want to go down this road. Okay, so going back to... <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> Deckard being defeated. Virginia says once he made the empathic connection to the androids, it became murder for him. He was no longer just performing a job task. And I think I think he was defeated, but I think he was defeated because 
it became murder and because he killed the androids, he finished the job and that's what defeated him. Christy, be careful with your uh, thing on your mic. Puppy. Aw. Um, Lucas, Sorry. you made a point. What happens? Yeah. <laughs> what wow, happens after me. all of this? What does happen after all of this? Does Deckard find a new job? Does he go back to bounty hunting? Like, does what happens after he gets a good night's uh, sleep and recovers from all of this? That's nice. Is that my book? Please yes. don't bend it. We have to sell that back to Second and Charles. <laughs> yeah, you can sell your used books back to Second. Yeah, I'm not keeping that copy. Don't um, bend it. I don't know, and I, I know we kind of maybe explore that in the movies, but. Mm. Um, well, and that and so with the goat, like the goat, for instance, so he blows three thousand dollars. He can't get that back because it was um, it, it wasn't like an illness or something. Right. So he's out that three grand. And he has to keep paying. He has, to, he keep has to keep paying, paying for the, the loan. spot on the ground. Right. The splat spot. So it's not like he's got all this money and he can, you know, um, emigrate or something like that. Like. I don't know. What do you What do you do at that point? Do you? He's and I think he alludes like there's other departments or something he could transfer into, or maybe am I making oh, that? Oh yeah, up? he did yeah, definitely he's, say that. So he he says that, but it's just I don't know. It's 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 mm -hmm. so desperate and desolate that you know they're just these shells of people living and dialing moods. That's so weird mm -hmm. to me. <laughs> okay, know. I'm gonna respond really quick to Adrian. Adrienne on Facebook says, I find it interesting to watch Tally get emotional about cheating, but the last book had a bunch of where to go, child murder, and everyone went with it. Okay, let's be clear. I still cried a lot reading every single Red Rising book. Tons of tears, tons of darkness every single time, to the point where I've actually had to take a break. I finished Iron Gold, haven't read Dark Ages yet, and I had to take a substantial break because it was literally starting to like put me in a dark place. Um, so that also is really heavy, but one no-no does not outweigh another. Continue. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting was when Pris was talking to Isadora about her life on Mars, sort of, and her past, she was so disappointed in the colonization efforts. And I think there was the idea that most androids are. And I want to know, are the humans as disappointed with it as the androids are. Like, the androids are disappointed enough to kill the people that they're supposed to be doing and then flee to Earth. Like, is colonizing, or like leaving Earth, is that so great? Because from her perspective, it's really not. I don't know. She said they didn't do it the right way. Like, no one is meant to live there. It's too old. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I really wish we had gotten a little bit of perspective outside of Earth. Like, I would have loved to see what that looks like. We did. We got, like, this very propaganda-esque uh, video. Remember with that old lady that who was like, count. I live on Mars and it's great now. <laughs> I have my own robot. Yay. Yeah. She says, it's convincing if you don't think too much about it. Hmm. But if you think too much, if you reflect on what you're doing, then you can't go on. Vomit. Remember, though, don't think about it. I mean, that's pretty I good advice. I thought we were still talking about Mars. It's pretty good advice. We are. Um, so, uh, <laughs> there's an interesting Just thing in the comment section uh, that I saw. I mean, you're having good conversations. It's hard for me to keep up, actually. It's nice. Um, but uh, somebody asked, and I'm trying to find it, why did his wife feel the need to take care of the toad oh, in the right. end? What do you all think? I think it's part of the way that she does care for him. Like, I think she does. I think she does care for Deckard. She's depressed. She's obviously going through a lot of her own heavy, dark stuff. Yeah. But Mercer is a mean something to her. She is searching desperately and clinging to every ounce of empathy she can find while not just going through the motions. She's obviously tired of that if she's searching for something else and willing to feel depressed in order to feel something else. So I think this is her way of continuing to go forward. Mm -hmm. This is where she goes from here. It might she's also, willing to continue. Yeah, it might also help her to care for something even if it is electric. Yeah. And Mercerism does put a big 
I guess, responsibility on that, like having an animal, even if it is an electric and animal. And they're sad, and they're lonely. They don't have their sheep anymore. They definitely don't have a goat. I mean, at least... I think they do have their electric something. sheep. This is something. What's it called? Yeah. And they already told their neighbors yeah, that the they sheep did. was electric, so... Yeah. So we were we were discussing earlier, um, Deckard, like you mentioned him being defeated at the end, and is he, is he not? Um, and it made me start, it got me thinking just now about um, the all of the characters and the, sort of their their representations in the in the book. And of all of the characters, to me, at the beginning of this book, Deckard was the most robotic. He was the most like. Everything's sort of black and white. Um, I mean, even Is Isidore sort of believed what he believed. Um, but, uh, oh, Matt, I'm going to get to that. What are you talking about, Picard? I, I see you. Um, but uh, he was the most ro robotic, and, and Isidore sort of had his simple view of things. But, but Deckard was the robot. And all of the people that he encountered along the way, specifically Rachel and the other androids, like, those felt like more more like people to me mm. um and and by the end of the book deckard was really wrestling with what should be just like natural human feelings and emotions that he was he was becoming attached to things he was like you know he, he was feeling like sadness and love and like things that he hadn't felt for a while unless he dialed it into a machine um the real like human people were a lot of the times the androids, his wife was like one of the more human people. She was the one that actually wanted to feel naturally and not didn't want to have to dial things into a box. Um, and so, like, was he defeated? Yeah. His, like, robotness was killed by the end of the book, which I think is really fascinating. And maybe I'm way off base, but that's what it seemed like to me, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So if I kill robots, I become more human. So Gene on YouTube made a point about everybody on Earth is dying from the radiation. And this actually connected to something else for me, but I don't want to talk about it on here because it's a spoiler uh, for something else. But if you have watched the show The Good Place, please start a thread in the group and I will jump in later. Make sure not to post any spoilers or give a warning at the top and bury your comments down. But if you watch the finale, the final episodes of The Good Place, I want to connect it to this. Let's talk later. Um, also on YouTube, Mike says the wife telling him the toad was artificial was the most crushing part of the book oh, for me. That sucked. And that I totally suck. agree with that because yeah. I was so excited with him. I was mm -hmm. feeling like, all oh, of that great stuff. Yeah. No, just love it. He was so excited. But he it was gonna. Goat. It was like the only one. No. So if they were able he was to sell it, though, have it a real both though, like his financial things yeah. were over, and he has a real live animal that Rachel probably won't get to, and. And then it's electric, and that was crushing. Oh, yeah, Such this bummer. book crushed me several times at the end. Like, starting with the, I guess, the climax with the spider and all that oh, stuff. Like, yeah. is that really the, where the like, climax started? I felt, I felt hey, hey, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I really felt a lot of things and at the end of this book. And it actually made me feel a lot more than, like, some of the other books we've read in this in this book club, which I was really surprised because, you know, early on I was like, Huh. This is kind of a this is like kind of like a philosophy book, but then then I really started to feel. Um, Jane Shin on Facebook, hey Jane, uh, says I think Deckard is probably broken in a way that others haven't seen before. He seems like he's always tough and independent, and maybe now that his wife sees him has something to take care of and finds new purpose in that, it reminded me of the wife of the guy whose cat died. Mm. Um, uh, Deckard was very able to, Dan Laffer says Deckard was very able to keep detached and leave emotions out of it, other than lusting for Rachel, of course. Um, his life got flipped, turned upside down, <laughs> uh, says Jess Welch. He's a different man. We also did never go back to the cat. I didn't get closure on the cat. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I would really love for us to talk about the association, the group that is making the androids. Why are they trying to make androids indistinguishable from humans? That's a really good question. Because they keep upgrading them and they wait for them to make a test, 
that identifies them as androids, and then they figure out how to break it. Figure out how to break it. Yeah. Are they androids? Are they yes. the masters? They're I running. I truly Mars. believe that the association is run by androids. They own Buster Friendly and Mercer. The whole thing's just a big friggin' plot hole joke. None of it makes sense. I was with you until the end. I'm there. sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, like you're right. That they're why? Why would humans do that? I don't think it's humans that do, that's doing it. I think it started as humans, and then they kind of got taken over by mm -hmm. androids. See, these are questions that I don't exactly look at as plot holes and more of, like, puzzles to I be I love solved. it. Yeah, I think it's um, fascinating. They're, they're philosophical questions and about, like, you know, especially as we as a society. And, and remember, this was written in the 60s. But as yeah, we as crazy. a society, like, move towards that very real thing. I mean, we've got, we've got you know, people that are altered now. Like, with mm -hmm. either through, like, you know, m making them able uh, because of disability or, like, enhancements. Like, we have that, um, and we have artificial intelligence technology that, that gets there. And uh, it's just it's a sci-fi concept that loves me, uh, that I love. Uh, Matt says, <laughs> makes me think about the Turing test. Once humans can no longer tell the difference between a human and a computer, is there actually any difference? That That's, that's it right there. Um, what is the difference and why why make the distinction you know what is what is one what what makes a life form a life form and uh in that star trek episode because i just rewatched it uh you know they, they put the guy on trial and they're like what what makes something sentient what makes something a sentient life form he has like three criteria self-awareness uh and then the other two that i forgot <laughs> but like um like are you not just at some point, like, creating a different form of life. Well, speaking of Star Trek, Adam, you know, in the first season of Next Generation, there is an episode where okay. Tasha Yar and Data have... They get intimate. Romanticism. Yes, they do. Okay, so Joe <laughs> on you. Facebook says, I think the androids are keeping humans as pets and therefore are the true followers of Mercerism. I dig it. Um, Vicky also said somewhere, I lost it, but she brought it up. Yeah, wasn't there a part talking about how some of the androids, the not Rachel Rachel, was addicted to drugs? Am I making that up? Wasn't there a thing? Like when she was on Mars? Chris maybe? was. Yeah, and there. So, but Chris that's is what, Rachel. That's not Rachel right? Rachel. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, and. Um, Batty, what's his name? So like there was a Roy. Roy Batty. He yeah, he was a pharmacist. Yeah. We haven't touched on that at all. I found that really weird. I was like, why are all why are all the robots taking drugs? Well, they're on Mars, wouldn't they hate it? So it might have something to do with that. Is and it real hate? It's a robot hate. Could it be, do something with like the cell regeneration too? Like could there be I don't know. Synthetic hate? Real drugs? I don't know. I didn't, that part, I just thought was strange to me. Because yeah. that seems like such a human thing. That is such a human thing to fall and become susceptible to an addiction or get lost in these little things of escapism. Why I think they, that's why exactly were right. That, I think you nailed it. Like, why even bring that up? Why were they interested in Why bring it up and not do anything with it? I think just that fact <laughs> existing is a point about the blurry line between androids and humans. Like, these androids can become addicted to drugs. Why are we hunting them? Why are we considering them it and not, you know, people? Like, that's, that's the thing. Those are the questions. Back to you. Well, they also loved old science fiction Oh, novels. Leanne says... Uh, Leanne says they were taking drugs to try to experience empathy. Ah, ah. That makes sense. Hmm. I'm assuming it did not work after the spider incident, or because yeah. of the spider incident. Or she did not retain it. Yeah. I have Oof. a question. So when you first, when we first get introduced to Pris in the apartment with Isidore, and she introduces herself as Rachel Rosen. Yes. Yeah. It's the name of her model. I, is it took that, me so long to figure out that there are different people. Like, I, I waited a really long time. But is that, that's the name of the model then? I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was. It's probably part of the embedded memories. 
Mm. I bet they have an identity, shared, and that's part of the, the name. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's also just the point of the Rachel Rosen model. We've already talked about the fact that she seduces bounty hunters to kind of get them off their game. Um, but also, oh gosh, where was I going with that? The implications of the Rachel model? Yeah. That was Scott's question. Yeah. Or discussion topic. Yes. Well, think on that. I'm going to circle back uh, because Mike said something on YouTube that sort of answers a question that, that we had um, about why the, the corporation is creating Ooh. realistic robots. Mike says, they said their customers were demanding more realistic androids. I wonder if they're using them to fill in for a lack of human connection in their lives. Probably. There was also the theme of if you don't have a human connection that you're not really living. Like Isidore felt that big mm -hmm. time. Well, he didn't at first. And then he met the androids and all of a sudden felt like he needed people in his life. Because at first he was okay with just having Buster Friendly around. Mm -hmm. And then the androids came and stayed with him. And he's like, I love these people. These are my best friends. I'm going to go help them out. And they're like, we're going to kill you later. Put that thing over there and shut up. And he's like, yeah, okay, I will, because you're my friends. And that made me sad. Adrienne on Facebook says, why is empathy the ultimate test? Why not love, hate, jealousy, or anger? I think that's really interesting. And I like to think that it's because those other emotions are easier to fake. <laughs> They say love and hate are very closely related. Jealousy and anger, I feel like all those things, those are visceral, visceral reactions that are probably easy to duplicate. But empathy, true caring for another human, well, when you're an android, you can't because you're not a human. I liked that empathy was, I will say that was probably my favorite thing about this book that I didn't like was that so much of it circulated around empathy, that that was the religion, that that was what was taught, that that was what was encouraged, was taking care of others, the importance of having the pet, like mm -hmm. this bonding, bonding together, sharing experiences with others. Yeah. Uh, Trish Brandon, great. Yeah. Trish Brandon said, animals were the pinnacle of empathy in this book. That's true. Uh, uh, Leanne uh, says, uh, empathy is being able to put yourself in someone else's place to feel what they feel so you would know exactly how your actions toward them would feel and affect them. It's a lot harder to kill someone if you feel that. Jennifer says, empathy is stepping outside yourself. Those other emotions are only about you. And we saw that with the androids. They had a hard time doing that and like relating to other people. Well, even uh, other androids. They said in the first half of the book, like mm -hmm. an android won't help another android. Yeah, that's interesting. Even though we kind of see the opposite yeah. with Pris and her, the two baddies. Yeah, I know, that's that too. And Dan says, yet the characters were all lacking empathy, including Deckard, honestly. Because he, really he was. He was just kind of like, he didn't really empathize with his wife. He didn't care to understand what she was going through. He just said, just dial in the need to dial something and you'll be all right. Uh, let me go he do this. He also never really used the empathy box. His wife always bugged him to use it, and he didn't really. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really have that. But I think by the end, he did. He mm -hmm. had empathy towards like androids, which is like, how how do I have empathy towards a thing that I literally should not have empathy towards because they're they're machines, they're toasters, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, can you. we do a poll? We can do a poll. If you've seen the movie and read the book, which did you like better? Ooh, that's a good poll. Okay, okay, hang poll. on. Give me a second. But Talk so, amongst yourselves. I will say I really do want to watch the movie, mostly because I have been assured that the book and the movie are quite different. Um, and I posted something really cool in the lounge group um, about all the models. It's it's really cool. You know, it's 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 not a lost art form, but with CGI and everything being so prevalent now, um, the care and attention that they put into the model work really shows, and it's um, it, it's it's just a treat. Like visually and and audio wise, it's just so cool. And I I feel like the movie amps it up that much more. 
Um, I will say movie for me, uh, while Adam's getting that going, just because you're able to, and it feels way more alive. Like it, it feels like there's not a lot of people in this, obviously, but it's it feels almost too sparse. Um, that it's like you've got a couple buildings and not a lot of stuff in between because he doesn't really talk a lot about it. Cat mm-hmm. Moss on YouTube makes a great point. She says, he says, I don't know, I'm sorry if you're a cat. Says, in a world that's dying, it would be so easy to fall for every man for him, every man for himself. Empathy would be necessary to survive. And I think that's a great point. Yeah, if the world is ending, what's the only thing that can tie the human race together? Is caring for one another and empathy. Otherwise, yeah, it becomes like every other dystopian movie that we've seen where it's just bloodbath war all the time to survive. So there's a poll. It should be live in in the thing. If you're seeing it, see it. congratulations. See it. If you don't see it, Give I, I don't know, Facebook. <laughs> um, but which do you like better, the book or the movie? The poll's up. We'll give it a... Give it just a few minutes because we're a yes, little over time. Sorry, but. we kind of did the poll like in the last minute. That's well, okay. it's fine. While the poll is happening, let's go ahead and remind y'all, if you've just been a silent participant for this live stream, this is the final live stream of the month, which means we're giving away a Mostly Mystery Box. Yay! Yay! So uh, make one comment. Just throw it out there. Multiples really don't count. It doesn't make a difference. So just say hi. Say what your favorite part was. Say what your least favorite part was. doesn't matter. Um, and you'll be entered into that random drawing uh, to win a super cool mystery box. Um, thank you to Second and Charles for always letting us do our live streams here and for also like they pay for the mostly mystery box and it's all super cool stuff from Second and Charles. So yay again. Uh, next month, if you haven't already gotten it, you can grab it also 20% off at Second and Charles. Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World by Haruki Murakami. Um, super excited for this weirdo. That's like, a trip. yeah. <laughs> um, and Lucas, did you want to talk about Sunday? Okay, oh, yeah. so Sunday night. So I've had this idea for a while now, and we're just gonna do it. So I've. Um, <laughs> so I asked you guys a while back, what night's a good night for some bonus content? And Sunday night, I think I'm just gonna say eight-ish. Central <laughs> might be a little late, seven thirty, because I, I have something Sunday night, and so I got to get mm. home and get everything set up. So I'm going to say around eight p.m. Central, um, we're going to do something called Adventures in Reading. Um, it's going to be an experiment. It, I was saying this could be a one and done, um, but we're going to take um, a choose your own adventure book and do a live reading. <laughs> and you guys are going to choose the path that we go on. Um, we're going to have a health meter. So we get, if we reach the end of the a point, we can go back. So we'll, we'll have like a little heart gauge. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, I never really got to read those books as a kid. And I thought this would be a fun experiment to kind of, you know, hang out, have another excuse, honestly, just for us all to hang out. So we'll read a page or about a page and then, uh, Talk about, you know, where do we want to go next and kind of choose as a group and then we'll move on. So, yay, Sunday night snacks and Yeah, reading. so Sunday night, if you want to join, I'd love to hang out with you guys. Callie will be there and uh, Adam and Chris, you'll probably be in the comment section, hopefully. But uh, yeah, so adventures and reading Sunday night around 8 central. Also, um, kiss on YouTube. Well, you got everybody in the comments that are very Thank excited you. about it. Um, you got a lot of people that are in. <laughs> oh, Ian says, what is the status on the podcast thing? Well, Ian, since, since you're one of the, the few left in here, uh, we do have our podcast up. So we will make a bigger announcement. Uh, I'm working to populate all of the old episodes, so I am having to kind of go back in and edit. So it's taking a little bit longer. But if you want to, go pull up a uh, podcast, especially most people are going to do it on their iPhone. But we should be on Spotify, Pocket Casts, uh, most of the major ones, Google Play. Uh, so search Literarily Wasted. And do us a favor, uh, find it, subscribe. Even if you don't listen to it, rate it, because you've already listened to it probably. But it's I actually had a great time. I, was, I listened to Good Omens, and I was like, okay, is this going to hold up? And I was like, this really holds up. We, we, we had a good time. So <laughs> yeah, so Good Omens uh, discussion one and two are up, and I'll, I'll continue to populate that. But uh, yeah, so we, we have this as a podcast archive. Fun.
Do we have a poll result? Uh, the poll the is still going. I'm <laughs> actually going to let people continue to vote after the after the live video is over. But cool. so far, it looks like uh, the book is winning 75% to 25%, wow. which means probably only four people have voted <laughs> so far. Um, but uh, if you haven't seen the poll, it, it, it face I don't know Facebook is weird and it doesn't do polls when you want them to. So I'm going to leave that up. Y'all can vote in it when you see it. Uh, maybe you'll see it on Sunday when you come back. For yeah, we're here. Come back. Come back for adventures and reading. And that's I would love to do adventures and readings with polls, but we've seen yeah. how polls are with Facebook. So no. we're just going to have comment section, and we can all hang out and just have a good time. Now, if you're new to Literarily Wasted, remember that you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. We are on all of the things. We also have a website where you can sign up for a non-existent newsletter that might be existent later in the future. Um, am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. No? no? I don't think so. All right. Y'all can go back to reading now. We're done. Or go to bed. Yeah. Like I'm about to. <laughs> Read. Go to bed. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Have a good night.